Hello and welcome to North 100, your Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me as always, we have Jeremy White, Alex Stacey, and Liam Coughlin. This episode is brought to you by you over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Thank you so much for all your support. You let us make this and everything else we do, and we couldn't do it without you, so thank you. Uh, we're going to start how we always start with the best card you're not playing. Up today is Jer. What's your secret tech? Uh, the the all-star from my Highlander Monday winning list, the Scarab God. Hold on, you're the current champion right now? Current current champ, yeah. Oh, man. In a, in a long top four related tournament, Jer played six rounds of Magic on Monday. Yeah, six, six, oh. it, was a, it was a slog. So this fella's spilled over from Standard into Highlander. Yeah, the, the best card in Standard, also the best card you're not playing in Highlander. It's, a, <laughs> it's three blue and a black for a legendary creature, creature type God. Kay. It's a 5-5. Five, five. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. Okay. That ability is pretty sweet. You can respond to it with the ability on the stack to start getting triggers More zombies. right away. Uh, and the, the you respond with its next ability, two blue-black, exile target creature card from any graveyard, and create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. Okay. Uh, and it says, when the Scarab God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. It seems hard to get rid of. Yeah, it's a, it's a super resilient threat hmm. that blocks super well because if they have a trick, you get it back next turn. Hmm. If they don't have a trick, it, it's probably the biggest thing on the board, so their thing died. Uh, you get to attack super well, and if you untap with it, you just start getting four four versions of the best creature creatures that have died this game. I, when I first saw this card, I was just like, does it do enough as a 5-drop? Because it doesn't do anything when it lands. That was like my first evaluation of all the gods when I saw them. Mm -hmm. And this thing is just like, oops, it's nuts all of a sudden? Yeah, I this mean, card's... This seems really attrition-y. So, it, it is super attrition-y, and I think it's insane when you're playing it ahead of curve. So, I'm playing... I played it in a bug midrange deck, okay. which plays a bunch of removal spells, and it plays mana dorks to accelerate your... Okay. Your curve. So this is like your turn four play. Yeah, ideally I'm casting it on turn four, or actually about half the time I had it in play, I Eldritch evolutioned into it. So that's a one green green sorcery. Eldritch evolution. Yeah. That lets you sacrifice a creature you have in play uh, to search your library for a creature with X plus two on that creature's mana cost or and less. put it into play. So it's a one-time super less. pod activation. Exactly, and you exile Eldritch Evolution. This card. So you can sacrifice a three-drop to go get the Scarab God, and one of the reasons the Scarab God is a super good Eldritch Evolution target is because then on your next turn, if they aren't able to remove the, the Scarab God, you're allowed to get... Th so You get the three-drop back! So one game, I cast a Mana Dork on turn one. Turn three two, I cast on, yeah. Corsair of Crufix. <sighs> then I... Attacked with Corsair of Crufix, Eldritch Evolution into the Scarab God, and then the next turn I was able to respond to the, the trigger of my upkeep and get my Corsair back as a 4-4. That's a totally cool. That, that means that there were two Corsair of Crufix tokens involved in Monday Night Highlander, because I too at one point had a Corsair of Crufix Oh my goodness. Well, Did you fracture identity? Gross. Sweet. <laughs> Alright, All Scorpion right. God apparently nuts. It's great. Yeah. Right. Scarab. Scarab what God. What did I say? Scorpion God? Scorpion. Yeah. That was not as good. Less good. Less, less I, nuts. I, I want to I'm getting way off topic. Yes. But yeah, this is the best card you're not playing in Highlander. Huh. Well, Try thank to you. trade one off one of those standard players. I don't think they're going to give them up. <laughs> no, probably not. Just wait. Wait three months. And I was lucky. I had one like in a box. Yeah. And I just like was going through. I'm like, oh, this card's being played now. I guess I should get it out of my like draft yeah, trash box. box. But <laughs> what if I played it in Highlander and won? Yeah. Oh, congrats All right. to our reigning champ. All right, let's introduce today's theme. Um, so we recently, and by we I mean the uh, Canadian Highlander Council, have updated the points list. So we want to first talk about what the points list is, and then we want to talk about the changes to the points list, the increases, the decreases, what that means to the metagame, and if we like those changes. Uh, so first off, with a recap of the points list, are. we've talked about it before, but it's worth going over again. Jer, really quickly, what is the points list and why is it important? So the, the points list is in place to govern the format and to stop everyone just playing all the most busted cards all in the same deck, which would really homogenize the format hmm. and make entry, barrier entry super high. So it's a way to govern the format without banning any cards. So people are still allowed to play really power, all the really powerful cards just in moderation. 
Right uh, you can find more information on the points list in the Facebook group or the uh, website. We'll have links to that down below. But we're going to go really quickly through the changes and then talk about a card e individually. I don't want to derail you too much, but sure. have you addressed previously why points and not just a ban list? Yeah. Um, we have, but we can talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. It's basically um, when, a, when you use a ban list, uh, and there are other actually Highlander formats even that do. Yep. Um, it has this tendency of being even more polarizing because it's a it's a binary state. A card is either legal or it's not. And what that means is that the metagame kind of devolves down to there is a set pool of cards and you can figure out the configurations of those cards that are the best. When you have a points list comparatively, uh, there's a lot more combinations of powerful cards. And when one particular combination of those powerful cards becomes too good, it's a lot less heavy-handed to be able to say, let's make this one point more and sort of slightly influence the way those decks have to be constructed, as opposed to that binary state of this deck is legal or it's not. Also, as uh, Jared pointed out earlier, it, it allows players to play every card they want to. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it has a little bit of common ground with the um, restricted list in Vintage, where it's like, you can play these cards, just only one. <laughs> Yeah, um, and because you can only play one, anyways, it's just like you—you know—it's like you have access to you know power nine, all sorts of like insane stuff, but you can't have it all. You have to choose which slices of cake you put in your deck. Exactly. Uh, so let's go over the changes really quick. Um, so for those of you who are familiar with the list, this will be quick, and then don't worry, we'll go over each card individually. So decreases. Doomsday is going from two to one. Hermit Druid is going from three to two. Limdual Vault is going from one to zero. Oath of Druids is going from 1 to 0. Sol Ring is going from 4 to 3. Time Walk is going from 6 to 5. Time Vault is going from 7 to 6. Tinker is going from 5 to 4. And there's only a single card in the meta right now that saw an increase in points, and that's Eldritch Evolution, because as we just saw, that card is nuts. Yeah, it's obviously busted. <laughs> it's worth <laughs> noting, too, that the Eldritch Evolution change is sort of paired with the Time Walk change. Yeah. Hmm. Really? How are those two related? Uh, We'll get to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, I'm, they, I'm curious. They got paired in, in the council meeting, and, okay. and so we presented them as a paired change. So overall, what we see is a massive in, uh, a massive decrease in the points to combo decks. So this is this is are we going to be seeing a new season of of combo in the meta? Um, it's hashtag combo winter. For yeah. those of you who want to get in on yeah, this. Yeah, maybe. Work. It's going to be really interesting. So let's go over the cards first. Uh, first up, we have Doomsday. Uh, so Doomsday is a sorcery for, I believe, black, 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 yeah. black. Uh, It has an additional cost of lose half your life, rounded up. And the text says, search your library. Um, oof, the, you, sorry, the card I was reading I, right I'm, there. I, I don't think it's an additional cost. I think you it's pay half your life resolution? upon okay, resolution. That's, that's, yeah. that's right. That's, that's a very important difference. Right. Pay half your life, rounded up, upon resolution. Yeah. So you can't get goozled by it. Well, ah, Graham so, keeps changing the card I'm trying to read off of. It I'm has very different text. I wanted the black border because it looks nicer, but then I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't realize the card text was so different. It's so worse than dirty I don't know. Here's new. here. Is this any better? No, that, no I can't why? even read that. Why? Why would you do this to us? Uh, so for those of you that read the that? audio version, this yeah, is Graham is changing the text on me. So search your library and graveyard for five cards and exile the rest. Put the chosen cards on top of your library in any order. You lose half your life. Rounded. Ah, well, so. Serge, I'm impressed you memorized the text. I, I, That's illegible. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just. I've never actually played Doomsday. Has anybody here played this deck? Yeah, Jared. So tell us a little bit about this deck. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> well, well, it was bad at two at least. Bas basically, the idea is that you're you're this very all-in combo deck that's looking to assemble Doomsday, and then from there, Doomsday is very powerful because I mean, well, it's a it's a penta tutor, right? You find five cards, and you can find always find a fairly effective way of winning the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a strong combo card. It does usually read win the game-ish. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that ish. Win the game asterisk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully you don't pay half your life and end up in lightning bolt range. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Um, so this is one of those cards that is a build around. This isn't something that you splash into your combo deck to get with. Is that right? Like, are you Doomsday? Yeah. Are you Doomsday Storm? Or, well, it's or kind of interesting because yeah, that's actually the one. What, one one of the reasons it's been pointed before is because one of the most prolific Storm players, Brett Frankson, yeah. played it in a 
traditional storm deck, and it was very effective. Just mm -hmm. the cards he already had in his deck, he could basically add Doomsday, and it was another very effective way to for him way for him to win the game. So he could either tend very early or Doomsday you. Yeah, and he'd he'd usually end up tendrilsing after Doomsday. Anyways, he could set up a tendrils Doomsday pile. Really? Yeah, with with Time Twister, if you have uh, two cards in your hand, you can Time Twister with after a Doomsday stack, because then there's seven cards total, and you can get access to the whole I stack right I always thought away. That, that Doomsday would um, try to win with uh, Lab like Maniac. That's the, one way. That's, that's what, how the typically the traditional, like, more all-in Doomsday, Doomsday combo decks win. Hmm. But if you're playing it in Storm, you don't always play Lab Man version. Uh, so you guys excited about Doomsday going down from two to one? And sorry, I should have introduced this earlier. Full disclosure, we have two uh, current members of the Highlander Council. Uh, so Liam and Jer actually had a lot of input in affecting these points changes. So their their insight as to why this is good or bad is going to be pretty valuable and everything here. Hmm. Yeah, for, for me, ultimately, I, I think this card is fine to go down from two to one. Mm -hmm. There has not been uh, a Doomsday list that has felt uh, oppressive. <laughs> There have been people who've tried to play Doomsday. I've tried to play Doomsday. People have three one with the deck, but it's it's never really felt that good. One of the big issues is that there's just a lot of ways to interact with this combo, and it's uh, especially like if you're going off with short mana or if you're going off against a big cl uh, fast clock. Yeah. There are a lot of ways that Doomsday gets interacted with that you don't even think of. I had an opponent cast Doomsday, but he had to get a past the turn stack because basically Doomsday is. You, the way you, when you resolve it, you either have a way to draw into your stack of five cards so you can yeah. kill that turn, or sometimes you just have to pass the turn and, and naturally hopefully draw. not die right, and exactly. draw the first card. I it's, think I blew Brett, Flan Brett Frankson out when he was on Doomsday one time because he had Lab Maniac in play and cycled Edge of Autumn, and I was tapped out and I cast um, Pyrokinesis. Yeah, <laughs> and so there's there's just a bunch of ways that you can die. So for instance, I, I was playing against someone who had to get a, a pass the turn stack. He passed the turn to me, and I played Jace the Mind Sculptor, and I fate sealed his gush, which was gonna, which was gonna draw them into the him to the rest of his stack to the bottom, and then he died. I've heard of people getting uh, thought scoured, yeah, uh, thought scoured, getting even important recall, like, yeah, this recalling game like Recall target you, no. So, so from my perspective, that's why that's why it was okay for Doomsday to go to one. Was that mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to interact with that I didn't think it was because it's very powerful but fragile. Yes, the, the reason I had some trepidation, and I did ultimately vote for it to go down to one, is the concern that we've always had with Doomsday and the reason it stayed so high is if you lower Doomsday, does it just become a storm card? At two, it definitely doesn't. Hmm. At one, we don't know. Um, and so we've lowered it, and if it does turn out to make storm have this additional win condition, maybe it's going to be a, a source of concern. Currently, storm plays both Oriox Salvagers and the sort of traditional Lotus Storm combo. Okay. Um, so this would be a third kind of win condition, but that deck is already full of I win the game cards, and yeah. actually Doomsday is easier to interact with than some of those other win conditions. Hmm. That's true. Well, Jared, we'll did you did you voted against this one, right? I, I did. I voted against it largely for that reason, is mm. I was around and used to play Storm back when you could just fit Doomsday into it, and I remember how powerful a tool it was for that deck, and so I was a little more more cautious than some of the rest of the council members and wanted to keep it at two for a little while longer but there was a I, long time yeah sorry it was definitely a, a close vote and it's it's possible that it will be fine at one uh there's an interesting moment in in highlander when storm wasn't really in the meta uh and there were a lot more like we didn't really used to think black lotus was super nuts and it wasn't that heavily pointed and was it brett frankson who just showed up one day and just started destroying Everybody was Storm. That deck yep. was a terror for Because you could time. play Demonic Tutor, Mystical Tutor, Black Lotus, Ancestral. Ancestral, all all in the same and he, deck. And he played a Mox. Yeah. His, his <laughs> list is like 29 points now or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, but you see this correction when something comes in and massively shakes up the metagame, you, 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 you correct. And sometimes over time, when you see that deck isn't win anymore, you, you do maybe we overcorrect and maybe we can nudge back and find if it has a healthy place in the meta again. Mm hmm. Uh, you guys ready to move on to the next card? Yeah. So yeah. next up we have Hermit Druid. Uh, Hermit Druid is one of the few pointed creatures in the format. It's one and a green for a 1-1. One, one. It is a human druid, not a hermit druid, unfortunately. Uh, pay green and tap. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a, a basic land card. Put that card into your hand and all of the cards revealed this way into your graveyard. Hey, Serge. Yeah? What if you don't play any basic land uh, cards in your deck? I was going to say, you're probably wondering why a simple card like this is so heavily pointed. Well, Lay of the Lance busted. <laughs> so you play a deck that has no basic lands. So you put your entire deck 
into your graveyard. And often you're playing effects like Narcomoeba, uh, or these very cheap unearthed creatures that get back into it, and then you have Umbrella Rights, which is a format. Dread Return. Pardon me. You have Dread Return, which is a format of sorcery spell that you can also flash back by sacrificing three creatures, and you bring back something that wins the game. Either, again, Laboratory Maniac, or there's a, a zombie Lady of Scrolls. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you bring back Angel of Jubilation. Angel of there's, 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 there's a lot Rise, of different ways. There's again, there, like, once your whole deck is in your bin, there are a couple of different combos you can iterate to do. There's stuff. two main ones: either the the Mimeoplasm or Angel of Glory's Rise. Yeah. You could also go way more OG and get Sutured Ghoul with Dragon Breath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just get him. So, dra Just get him. Dragon Breath is a, an enchantment that basically gives a creature uh, haste. We talked about so many because cards. We just like rapid yeah, fire yeah. through well, a million I've cards. I'm hoping that people are going to understand uh, uh, many of those interactions, but I don't think they're going to get this. The one. dragon fire one, yeah, yeah. The dragon breath is pretty unique. One we should probably bring up that we've said numerous times is laboratory maniac. Right. Yeah. That, let's talk that about, well, let's finish talking about dragon. Sure. So sure. dragon breath. If it's in your yard and you play it, and you a six drop comes into play, it gets attached to that creature. Suture ghoul, importantly, cost six. Uh, Seven even more. Yeah. And yeah. so suture ghoul just exiles all your creatures in the bin, gets gigantic, picks up the the dragon. Uh, and Dragon just trample straight on through. And just attacks for lethal. Assuming they don't have removal. Yes. <laughs> Laboratory Maniac is a two and a blue, two, two creature that says if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game. And you would, sorry, yeah, yeah. You win the game instead. Instead, instead of, of losing. Yeah. So this card's obviously you, you, insane. It just yeah, breaks you, the rules of you magic. You arrange to have this in play, wipe out your library, and then try to draw a card off of some free cantrip spell, and then you win. Well, that's why that's why Doomsday wins with it as well. You, yeah. you exile your entire library. So a couple, you see a little bit of similarity in in a lot of the decks that were being pointed against previously. Are these sort of degenerate combos that you set up a situation where you can instantly win on the spot? And so there was a move to move away from these. But um, tell me about Hermit Druid. Are you guys? I used to kind of hate this deck. This deck used to be very, very powerful and win out of nowhere. I think I remember Hermit Druid and Flash Hulk as being two of the most oppressive sort of early combos that we kind of we kind of shut down. I don't think I've ever played against this deck, so I don't know that I have too much to say about it because it seems like I mean it's a it's a two mana one one, mm -hmm. which does which doesn't seem like it would be very hard to deal with. I mean, it but... is. that's the point. But it, it's worth noting, this card was four points three months ago. This, yeah. this card went down from four to three. Jar played it once at three. It was still bad. Hmm. And now and now it's down to two. And this was unanimous, I think, right? This it, was, it was unanimous. This was a 5-0 down. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm probably the person most well-known for trying to make Hermit Druid work. Hmm. And I've tried... My recent efforts have been very, very fruitless. <laughs> trying to, in, in the recent metas, trying to get a 1-1 creature to stick around. Is, is really challenging. With, There's also with all no these protections running around, and you don't have basic lands in your Exactly, deck. it's been a really hostile. Um, yeah, I guess three of the top decks right now are like Blue Moon, Jeskai Tempo, and Goblins, all of which can easily like you're in, you're almost guaranteed to encounter one of those decks. Yeah, more modern than Goblins. I was gonna say, <clears throat> which is actually worse. They have even more Go Google. Goblins is actually. A good matchup. I think. Close, yeah. a close, like close. I'd say it's probably fifty-fifty with Hermit Druid. I've had some really good games with Mac when I was playing Hermit Druid, and he was playing Goblins. Yeah, but Mono Red is like nigh, nigh unwinnable. They often like, just how draw many hands. Yeah, how just... many layers of lightning bolt are you? Well, on and they're even do? playing shocks. Like this creature has one toughness. Yeah, it's never living. So like, oftentimes. You're not actually planning to cast Hermit Druid. You're planning to get it back some way from the graveyard with haste after it's died two or three times. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like I, I walked by once. Jar was playing this deck like a month or two ago, and he's playing his blue white control. And I walked over, and I'm like looking at the game. And it's like, oh, this game's going pretty long. That's like probably not great for Jar. And I look at his exile pile, and there's just this Hermit Druid in exile and a sword supply shares in the graveyard. Oh no! Right? Like <sighs> it's just like if it gets exiled. You can win, but it gets really difficult. I actually won that game. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I won fun. with Angel of Glory's Rise beat down. So. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to get you with this 4-4. Four, four. So it's a 5-7. So unlike Doomsday, which... <laughs> what? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's a 7-mana 5-7. I thought it was a 7-mana 4-4. Four, four. No. Right, let's talk about Angel of Glory's Rise. It might Rise be a 4-7, but it has 7 toughness. 4-6. Four, four, six. Six. Okay, right. we're close-ish. Sure. So Angel of Glory's Rise is a 7-mana 4-6 angel. We finally figured out what its power and toughness is. It has flying. When it enters the battlefield, exile all zombies, then return all human cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. This is so, the Scarab God counter. Holy moly. Oh, oh 
Oh. Wow, all of a sudden Hermit Druid comes in and just wrecks the, the yeah. Scarab God meta. The typical way this one wins is it brings back Laboratory Maniac, which is a human, and Azami Lady of Scrolls, which is also a human. And Azami Lady of Scrolls has printed on her, tap an untapped wizard you control, draw a card. She's <clears> a wizard. Lab Maniac is a wizard. There's so, also a bunch more wizards. Oh, yeah, There's yeah, a bunch yeah, more yeah. wizards that come with this as incidental. So. There, was a, there was a standard deck around Angel of Glory's Rise as well that was sort of an aristocrat's list. It did the same sort of thing. So yeah, that, that yeah. card's been around in, in competitive play for quite so some time. You, you dump your whole library, you get all the stuff in play, try to draw a card with Lab Maniac in play, and you win. Yeah. yeah. But, but overall, ultimately, this, the reason this card went down and the reason it's gone down twice is it, it's really flimsy. It's really hard to get going. There's a lot of disruption in the format right now, and the format's a lot faster. And because this card is so all-in on one card, it's challenging to be that interactive in the deck. You, yeah. you do have to be pretty devoted to finding it. Yeah, this is this is a build-around. This is an archetype-defining card. There isn't any redundancy for it. If you are playing Hermit Druid, you are playing the Hermit Druid deck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've tried to do Value Druid. Not as good. Maybe it's a time to try it again. Oh my goodness. It's mm. only two points now. All right, Ooh. moving on. Next up, we have Lindul's Vault. It is a two-mana instant, and that is some old text, so I'm going to do my best there's, to see. You want to read the errata? It should be a newer, yeah. newer version. No, there is. I just wanted to show you this ter terribly low-contrast art from the Alliance's version. <laughs> the, hey, I have this card. The Sorry, Oracle text is actually... Oracle, right. The Oracle text is actually almost identical to this. It just doesn't have that last yeah. clause of effects that oh, prevent okay. a redirect loss of life. Perfect. But uh, if you want to read it yourself, here's the uh, version from Commander. All right, instant for a blue and a black. Look at the top five cards of your library. As many times as you choose, you may pay one life, put those cards on the bottom of your library in any order, then look at the top five cards on your library. Then shuffle your library uh, and put the last cards you looked at this way on top in any order. So what this does, it's, it's, it's kind of wordy, is it lets you look at five, set that aside, look at five, set that aside, and basically, like, in chunks of five, scry and start to, like, reorder your library until you finally so you find a card. Cards you but like, then you have, then then you have to shuffle at the end. The rest, yeah. You so don't you don't get to stack right, your right, right. You, you basically stack the top five cards of your library at the cost of one life per iteration of five. Yeah. It lets you dig. It's not, a, it's not a reliable tutor in that give me the card I want because there is the fact that you might just die. You, you can only pay life so many times until it shows up. It also doesn't put the card in your hand. It puts it on top of your deck. Yeah, it's it's sort of akin to a really clunky, more expensive in both mana and life vampiric tutor. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what sort of decks was this scene playing before? Uh, combo blue, any combo deck with blue and black. But yeah. that was the problem. It, it wasn't right. Like that's why it went down. Not not at one point. I saw this. I saw this in Esper uh, Academy combo. And so in a deck that's playing a lot of different combos, so it was playing like Helm of Obedience combo, Painter Servant, Grindstone, as well as like Thopter Foundry. Mm. And so what happens? Charbeltry? Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. And, but in that case, as soon as you have one combo piece in your hand, you can use this to start digging for the other. And there's enough, not redundancy, because the combos don't necessarily play well with each other, but there is enough variety what happens that the ability to quickly dig through and find that other piece when this wasn't pointed um, made those decks a little bit too consistent, so I think that was the justification for pointing it, but it's been removed. Yeah, so the main reason it's been removed is because of the, the life loss attached and mm. the fact that when it was uh, added to the points list, our format was maybe at least half a turn, maybe a full turn slower than it is now. Like slower, our format, yeah. Our format's just sped up quite a bit. Like, casting this against an aggro deck is a pretty huge liability. Yeah. Because... You don't know how much life you're going to pay before you find a card that is worth five paying. life. <laughs> exactly. Five, ten life. So, like, yeah. just the speed of the format is the reason that this card came off. Mm. I, I actually voted against this one coming off as well, just because, once again, I was around when it you was were able impressive. to. It was, it, was free, it was free before. It hasn't always been on the list, hmm. and it was played a lot. It's, it's worth noting, uh, I voted for this one to come off, but the difference between one and zero points is the biggest difference, and, yeah, it's, and it's not close, uh, right? The, the difference between one and two, okay, you might have to cut some cards to fit this in now, but the difference between, between one and zero is this card gets played in any deck that can cast it versus it costs a point. And so this, this one's honestly really close. Uh, it was early in our meeting that we were talking about it, um, and it really hasn't been seeing base, basically any play, so we'll see what happens. How often? Sorry, hi again. How how often d does the secret board of shadowy figures have 
have meetings about the points list yeah. and what's the sort of how uh, how off how long do you let something play out before you start talking about a specific card again? Yeah, we typically try to meet every month. It doesn't always happen, but we try to meet every month. Um, typically, like when a change happens, it's pretty obvious whether or not that change was like if if the change is wrong, it's obvious right away. Um, so, for instance, like Merchant Scroll went from one to zero. And in about six months, it was very obvious that Merchant Scroll at zero was not fair. Yeah. Uh, and, and it got changed back basically as soon as the new council got voted in. Everyone ran on the, on the platform of Merchant Scroll should be one point. <laughs> so, so typically, it's pretty, with, the, with the zero to one cards, it, te it tends to be pretty clear right away. And though I, I don't remember a time that we've changed a point like a month after we've changed it. I can't either. I don't think it's... Winter Orb? Uh, I wasn't around when that happened. Winter, like, Winter Orb was two for a while. The community yeah. hate points in Winter Orb because it was unfun. But that was back when like, we were all in the room. There was oh, no there council, wasn't a council and everyone voted. It was, yeah, it was, that was, my, it was, it yeah, was that, so that took terrible. a really long time. True we'd, democracy. We'd go, we'd go through like 40 cards and there'd just be exhaustion miserable. and be like, should this be points? And everyone would be like, yeah. Like Sensei's Divining Top was pointed because people hated it too. Yeah. The worst so, one was so Goblin Recruiter. That's actually Goblin, something that's yeah. really important about why the council was brought in, is that like you're theoretically supposed to be objective and be able to remove personal emotion from it. But yeah, so anyway, so, so this this point came off, this card came off the list, and to be to be honest, Graham, there's a world where it goes back on the list in two months, yeah. right? Where it's just like, yeah, actually this card's too good in combos. Oops. Feels too good. Uh, so, and we would make that change if it was obvious. This, this card's kind of interesting because it sees virtually no play at one, but we foresee that it'll see a, a lot, lot of play at zero. Yeah. So at, we've, we have been talking about this card for quite a while, like six months to a year. And at, eventually, at one of the votes, it got passed to go from one to zero to sort of try it out and see how it is there's at a, zero. There's a whole suite of very close to being pointed tutors that like the Zool's Vault is in that cr criterion. Another one is, um, Oh, I had it and I lost it. The transmute counter and incinder sorcery. Muddle the mixture. Muddle the mixture. So muddle the mixture is blue blue counter target incinder sorcery, or you can transmute it for a generic and blue blue. And transmute says discard this card, search your library for cards with the same CMC, uh, reveal it, put it into your hand, and you can only transmute as a sorcery. And that lets you find a lot of very powerful, very powerful cards. And Mostly time decks. walk. You know, time walk, time, time vault, demonic tutor. Yeah, either part of the Thopter Sword combo. Like it, it, it found a lot of things because it like there's a lot of good cards at two in, in Magic, um, and so you play this weird game of of particularly around combo of how consistent do you want these decks to be and then where do you actually put the points because we don't want to put the points on the payload we'd rather put them because we want people to play those we just want to make sure that it can't be as winnable yeah i don't know it, it varies a little bit the, the philosophy of, of whether you point tutors or payload is is actually kind of different counselor to counselor sure. i think but but yeah ultimately we we try and balance it so that like for instance protean hulk is the cheaper part of the flash hulk combo sure. because we want people to be able to play hulk in other more fair strategies yeah. sandra bullock yeah. Well, that's, that's not fair. But. All right. <laughs> so let's move on. Next up, we have Oath of Druids. Uh, this is the only enchantment on... Oh, no, no, there's Fastbond, uh, but I digress. Oath of Druids is a two-mana enchantment for one and a green. Uh, it's wordy, so stay with me here. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player chooses target player who controls more creatures than they do and is their opponent. And is their opponent. That's really clunky. The first player... <laughs> May reveal cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature. If they do, that player puts that card on the battlefield and all other cards revealed this way into their graveyard. Graham. If you think this is clunky. Oh, the old wording? Yeah, don't oh, forget. I, I legitimately have never been able to figure out what this card does. <laughs> Please explain to me what wording. this card does. So, do you want to do it? Yes. Sure, yeah. If you have this in play, in your upkeep, in a 1v1 game, if your opponent has more creatures than you, you reveal cards from the top of your deck until you hit a creature, put that creature into play, you put the rest of them in the bin. Yeah, that's so you, it. Okay. So you play this with Emrakul and you get him. Yeah. Or Gristlebrand. Yeah. Or Academy. Blazing Rector. Archon. There's a, there's a bunch of different ways you can... We're you sort can... of past the Blazing Archon yeah. days. It's a little oh. bit like... It's a little <laughs> bit like a reanimator deck, except that it... Well, it's it's different. It's it's typically played in more of a controller combo. Yeah. Uh, means uh, you're either trying to control the game and then eventually find one of your huge spells or, or Oath or a Planeswalker or something to win the game with. Or you can combo and go like more all in on finding oath. Uh, I'm also one of the more prolific oath of druids players yeah. in the format, having 
done pretty well with several different versions. Uh, the coolest one I played was when I would oath into Academy Rector and hopefully bin, oh. bin Cabal Therapy, and then I could sack my Academy Rector to Cabal Therapy to get some powerful enchantment. I played wow. animate, <laughs> animate Dead to get, a, if I had another creature they dealt with. Just or there, omniscience. I wonder, is there a universe where you play Oath of Druids and Madcap Experiment in the same deck? Sure. Yeah. Especially yeah. now that it's zero. Mm. Yeah. Um, That's a scary... Th this was definitely the most controversial change, I think. This this one also, Jer, Jer voted against this one, I voted for this one. Yep. Uh, on, on, and now you must fight! <laughs> well, so on, on any of the changes we're talking about today, uh, I was the swing vote on every single change, actually. Ooh, there were, there were tight. two people who voted the same on everything, hmm. and then two people voted close to the same. There were some changes that were for one, but Jared, Jared and another person were, were the against on all the cards that had two op opposers, and yeah, I was the swing vote on all of them. So hmm. it, was, it was kind of interesting. The, the two people who are maybe viewed as the most prolific combo players voted against a lot of the combo changes. Liam, like, Liam's you don't, you don't Liam, understand. Liam's also a pretty prolific combo player. Yeah. But... Yeah. It's yeah, like, you don't know it. Like I know it. I'm gonna kill you with this and then, card. Don't give it to the me. Then the two players yeah. who are known for playing like more more fair decks, like they do play uh, a variety, but they voted to lower a bunch of combo cards. So it's hmm. kind of in an interesting. Yeah, I mean, combo is just meeting. not really been in the format that much. And that was the impetus haven't. behind a bunch of these changes. Yeah, yeah certainly. It's, I yeah, I understand a lot of people thinking combo isn't fun because you're like having this potentially interactive game of magic back and forth, and you're just like, oops, you lose. Uh, but on the other hand, there is something refreshing about a game ending, as opposed to playing, I'm going to bring it up again, Blue Moon. Because <laughs> the problem with playing against Blue Moon <laughs> is he actually lost 15 turns ago. It's just taken them two and a half years to actually finally kill you. And here's Serge Yeager on his weekly soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad Madcap experiments didn't get pointed at. Serge, don't you play prison? <laughs> How many people have you strip mind locked? How many? This is for them, Serge. I believe I've played some games against you where you've you've perhaps beat me twenty turns into the past. But I was like, "Do you have a way to win?" And you're like, I don't "Not know. yet. Maybe. Ultimately, I might find the one way to win in my deck." This is actually something that I grappled with for a long time because, yeah. like, I, you know, early on in my Magic playing career, I really hated combo and I really hated blue. Yeah. Um, and. I still have issues with like both of those colors, but the, the, both of those like archetypes. But the thing is, like in this game, Magic, what one person finds fun, another person may not find fun. Like there's different ways people enjoy this game and different ways of playing the game that each person enjoys. I think where the problem arises is when those ways of playing directly conflict. They're just like. I have fun by taking away your fun, <laughs> but yeah. you know there, there's means built into the game for you to like resist that to you like know, the points to, list, to, yeah. like the points list, you know, to to work with it. And it's just like I, I hate using this argument because it like really sounds dismissive, but it's like it's just part of the game. These well, cards exist in <clears throat> the game of Magic, and you and, know, and to build upon that, you actually need combo and control for a healthy metagame. Yeah, I agree that's with that. Yeah, that's a bunch when, behind a bunch yeah. of these changes. When, when you're balancing, a, especially in eternal format, it's it's really hard. And you, you want every, as you mentioned, pe different people like doing different things. So you want to you want to be able to include everybody into your eternal format. Make their favorite deck viable. Well, and, and you want the combo player to be able to play combo and not feel like, man, if I play combo, I have no chance of winning. Well, also with what you were bringing up with... Um, a healthy meta, like there is kind of this rock paper scissors uh, relationship exactly. with deck archetypes, you know, between stuff like aggro mid range, um, combo control, combo control. <clears throat> like if you, it, it's almost like an ecosystem where one eats the next, and if you take one out, it is then one becomes the best archetype. Yeah, like rock paper scissors without rock, it's yeah. just like Imagine scissors always play, wins. Play, it's just like yeah, if you play rock paper scissors, rock, yeah, it's, it's like, like oh, what am I playing today? Paper. It's like rock paper scissors where rock loses to scissors half the time. Yeah, that, that's a better, that is actually a better Sorry, description yeah. of what the situation is right yeah. now. It's not the combo is actually unplayable, but basically the combo decks are not beating the decks they should beat yeah. a lot mm -hmm. of the time, which is problematic. So to bring it back to Oath of Druids, I'm happy this comes in. I think it does well against... Um, so Oath always has this tricky spot of you want your opponents to have creatures so that your Oath of Druids triggers and you get your bigger creature, but you don't want them to have so many creatures that it kills you. 
Uh, so you've got you've got these tricky matchups, like Jer was saying. You put it in sort of a controlled shell to try and to try and shape how many creatures they have. And you also play these weird effects that occasionally gift them creatures. Bruh. We found the deck for Dowsing Dagger. <laughs> oh, no. no, it's no, awful. You have you to have put it on a creature. Yeah, nope. you put it on your Emrakul. Uh, I see it's not a red thing after we have an Emrakul in play. Don't All right, I did you've it done it again, now. Alex. I did it. You broke the metal wide open. Wait, for, so, Forbidden so, Orchard is the, yeah, most, the, most, real, the real enabler. Yeah, it's, it's a land, so it's pretty free to put in your deck. It makes every color of mana. It's like actively very yeah, good. Yeah, and it gives them colorless one ones with a mostly not relevant creature type in Highlander. What if they play that sick Kamigawa block stuff? Any other thoughts on Oath before we move on? No, we we derailed a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. fine. So this is a big change. Uh, uh, we reduced Sol Ring from four to three. That's and and I think this is kind of exciting. So Sol Ring is a, is a pretty classic artifact in 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 EDH. Uh, and banned everywhere else for good reason. One <laughs> mana, put an artifact into play, tap, add two colorless mana to your mana pool. Uh, it's an auto-include in every pre-constructed commander deck. It's Mox yeah. number six. <laughs> yeah, and, and notably, actually, in, in Highlander on the points right now, Moxin are three points, so Solring has been reduced to be in line with Moxin, and that's kind so of So now it really is Mox number six. <laughs> yeah, so I was the main uh, proponent Behind behind this change, and I'll explain why. Sure. Uh, so, recently, uh, three color blue mid range decks have been doing re really well, and aggro decks have been doing really well. Yeah. And these are all decks that play either mostly blue pointed cards or moxes as yeah. points. And the the decks have been struggling a little bit. Have been two color mid range decks. I'm not not counting blue moon because blue moon doesn't effectively use soul ring that well. They're they're pretty in on. Well, on their, well, they their can't, blue cards. Yeah, they can't play well, And it's an artifact. Yeah, so. yeah madcap yeah. experiment yeah. combo. Um, and so, two color control decks and academy decks really benefit from this change. And those decks aren't in the in the best place right now. So I I think lowering soaring is a pretty. Uh, it's it's safer than it looks just yeah, because of the decks safer. the decks that really really benefit from it. Yeah, aren't the aggro decks? A lot of aggro decks have color intensive early costs. So like red, 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 or like double colors. And same yeah. with the triple color decks. Like if you yeah. look at the Jeskai threats, they're playing cards like Mantis Rider. They're playing yeah. cards like Lightning, Lightning Angel. Angel. Yeah. Yeah. So they're playing cards like True Name Nemesis, Vendillion Clique, and Soul Ring doesn't, doesn't really help you cast those cards very effectively. I like. I actually like this change a lot. This is, I think, like that surgical precision of like what can we do to help the decks that are struggling. Oh, and a no. mid range deck wants to get like green green and two to cast a like a four mana planeswalker a couple turns earlier what's yeah, up alex you just made allison put my twist, mind back, twist back in her deck oh! she, she told me about that oh no no that's a good thing there need to be more mind twists yeah in the yeah yeah like, yeah yeah because allison's points she plays the rock um and has always played the, play the rock and fi and like finally settled on her points list being soul ring Black Mox, Green Mox. Yeah. It's very simple, but now there's room for Mind Twist. This card's and that great. Plays a lot of mana, and so this is gonna so just to really quickly to introduce Mind Twist. Mind Twist is X and Black. Target player discards X cards at random. Uh, this card is brutal. It's backbreaking. <laughs> and so one of the matchups the Rock traditionally struggles with is is uninteractive combo decks. They yeah. play a few hand attack spells, but not really enough for it to matter too much. And so just getting another hand attack spell for them to have more outs against combos is yeah, just a just great, a great thing. Card. This card's also really good to play in the mid-range mirrors. Yeah. Like one, of the, one of the things that two-color decks were struggling against was the three-color blue-based mid-range decks that had a lot of good threats, a lot of good removal, and they were often playing a blue piece of power to go over the top. Well, it also gets so much card advantage over time. Well, with that's blue. exactly yeah. that, right. Like these, these blue mid-range decks go like tap out for Mantis Rider, and then your like green black mid-range deck or your black X mid-range deck goes like mind twist you for four, and you get their whole hand, and then they die. Right? <laughs> it, it, it just it, it puts another tax on sure on them. So so lowering soaring, I think, does have the the sort of side effect of bringing mind twist more into the metagame, and I, I like that a lot actually. Huh. All right, let's move on. Next up, we have Time Walk from six to five. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, Time Walk is a two mana sorcery that just reads, take another turn after this one. And and personally, I don't like this change. I kind of hate the Time Walk decks. I hate the type of decks that take advantage of this. These sort of like, 
tempo, attrition, like I'm gonna play a werebear on turn four and then counter every spell and then just slowly beat you to death sort well, of decks. He's a nice guy though. Uh, Robin, <laughs> I like Robin. I, I don't like the archetype he's left behind. Yeah. I, I just don't think that archetype is in a great spot right now. Like no. blue green, blue it. green hasn't won a tournament in years, a year and a half probably. Wow. And like, the the threats are so good and so fast that just like planning to counter everything they do before turn four and then playing a two drop and holding up another counter spell just isn't a viable strategy anymore. You're gonna die to hmm. aggressive creatures. You're gonna die to people playing a one drop and a two drop on turn three. You can't counter both. You're gonna to die to people playing two two drops on turn four. Once again, you can't counter both. So, what was the hope in in reducing time walk? So what deck are we trying to help the, here? The re the reason we reduced time walk is because of its current parity with ancestral recall and Ancest the dominance in winning lists playing ancestral recall. I I've said this for a while and actually it was against raising time walk to begin with and was I was the one who uh, got them separated when we switched to the ten point system. Uh, just because Ancestral Recall is... So, in the points list, Ancestral Recall and Time Walk for a long time have always had, the had, the, had the same points value. They're the two blue pieces of power apart from Time Twister. But <laughs> Time Twister is clearly different. Yeah, so they're very easily equatable. But Time Walk has very high upside, but its its fail case is not, not that good. It's often... Compared to explore, I love and it. Yeah, and it's fair. Sometimes time walk is just explore. Oh, draw an extra growth. card, play oh, an extra yeah. land. Like Pass. when you just cast it, it, you is. cast it on turn two but, to play the land. I love it. But every oh. time you cast ancestral recall, you're gaining massive, massive advantage. Yeah. And so, the players who are playing blue and have, having to choose between time walk and ancestral recall were well, pick recall always picking time. recall. Going yeah. to going to pick recall, and it showed up in. The data of winning decks is that recalls won more than twice as many tournaments. I guess I mean I'm fine. I mean, you can also merchant scroll for recall. You can't merchant scroll for time walk. Yeah, interesting. I'm fine to see less less recall in the meta, but yeah. but uh, that's interesting. Okay, it, I'll see how this one plays time, out. Time walk's also harder to set up. Like time walk's good when you have a big board and can attack twice to win the game, or you have a you have you're like potting and you, you if you take an extra turn for two mana that lets you untap all your stuff and yeah that was pod to win the, the game that i wanted it up was i thought that that deck was too good with time walk and and mm. so the reason we said earlier we combined it with elvish evolution was largely with the rug pod deck in mind in that before when it had eldritch evolution and time walk and birthing pod and survival of the fittest right it yeah. was just too consistent and mm. time walk and Eldritch Evolution gave it too many tools to win the game because yeah. this deck can actually set up infinite turns with Kiki Jiki, Eternal Witness, and Time Walk. Yeah. So it just gave it another way to just yeah. just win the game. It, it made Brindelite this insane split card, which read like either Time Warp or Tutor for One Creature, or hmm. it was just it was it was so nuts. What's Brindelite? Bringlelight is oh, three blue green. It has converge. Maybe this uh, is the best card you're not playing. No, everyone plays this card. It's great. Um, so you get to search your your library for a card with converted mana cost. Oh, creature equal to, instant or sorcery. Yeah, yeah. For a creature instant or sorcery with converted mana cost equal to or less than the number of colors you use to cast the spell. So if you cast it for four, you you can get a lot of really powerful things. Um, most notably, it's time walk and and eldritch evolution were the cards that they were getting. Um, so yeah, these two changes were paired when we when we proposed time walk down. Uh, I think I was the one who said this. That I, I said I, I would not vote for time walk down without some kind of tax being put on. Yeah, on well, we can get we'll get the Eldritch like, Revolution okay. after on that one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We we actually voted on them as, as a block. Or like, maybe maybe we should talk about them yeah, right now yeah, then. Because yeah. they, they were voted on as a pair. Like they aren't two separate changes. They so, are. Sure. So we mentioned this a lot. Together. So Eldritch Revolution is a three mana sorcery that we've talked about like six times this episode. It's a yeah. powerful card. So one green green for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast it, you must sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with CMC X or less, where X is two plus the sacrifice creature's CMC. Put that creature directly onto the battlefield and then search your library. Notably, shuffle. exile. Oh, pardon me. Shuffle your library and then notably exile Edric of Evolution. So you can't. I always forget that clause. Well, so you can't like eat witness, get it back, yeah, and then just like that'd be pretty pod up. up. Yeah, yeah, you can't cycle it. But um, yeah. So th this card's insane, and it was really, really good, and specifically that pod deck because cheating your way up to Kiki Jiki in particular. Um, well, any yeah. three drop into the fact that it's not 
like many of these tutors in the past have been color restricted to green. Like but green the, Yeah, but the fact that this gets any color, any color creature mm. and yeah, X like, plus two, it's it's so bad. And it's, right onto the battlefield, it's just like... Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's more to like compare to something like green sun zenith. Yeah. Which yeah. only gets green creatures or even like... Court um, of Calling. Yeah. Well, court gets anything, but it's way more expensive. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like well, just it's green. so much more expensive. Yeah. 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 But so, so we paired these changes together, and this is an, an instance, actually, Grant, where your, your question comes up, which is, I mean, time walk went up three months ago, and now it's coming back down. Um, and that's a reflection of the fact that, as Jeremy said, this is such a classic problem, too, with, with time walk and recall, which is that when they're the same points, everyone plays recall. But then when they're different points, it's <laughs> often just better to be playing time walk. It's not always better. And sure. this, is, this is the debate we have in the council, and we won't have this debate now because Jared and I have talked about this for hours before. Um, but that, that's the argument we have. Sure. Uh, so let's move on. The next card we have on the list is Time Vault. Time Vault is a two-mana artifact. Uh, it comes into play tapped. It doesn't untap on your untap step. However, at the beginning of your turn, if it's tapped, you can skip your turn to untap it. And then finally, tap, take an extra turn. So this card is normally played with... Voltaic Key. Thank you. Voltaic Key, which is a one-mana artifact. Right. Uh, which just says, well, Pestermite, but sorry, Voltaic Key is the classic pairing, the That's the real which problem. is a one-mana artifact. It just says, tap, untap, target artifact. And then what happens with Voltaic Key, sorry, pay one and tap it. What happens with Voltaic Key and Time Walk is you just tap and untap them over and over and over and take infinite turns. Basically, when they printed this card, they didn't think that there was going to be any way to untap something. <laughs> well, and also the way that Time Vault works has changed a bunch of times. Yeah. From working with Voltaic Key to not working with Voltaic Key oh, to really? working with it again. Yeah, yeah, the rules, the rules around they, the card have like, changed Did before. they ever errata it that it's like, you can't untap this without actually having paid for it properly? Uh, I forget exactly what the errata was, but there, there was a time where, where it didn't work. Because basically you can sort of like quite it's quite trivial to get around this there's many many untap effects that untap time vault yeah. and then if you have one that you can use more than once you win the game because you just take yeah. infinite turns so so with this going to six the big the big thing that we thought about and the big question is is it too good to have time vault time vault and demonic tutor be playable in the same deck again well, well going back so time vault is seven was seven yeah, points was seven out points. of ten i mean that's one of the most expensive it was, pointed it was cards on par with lotus yeah it's like lotus. one of the most expensive cards in the format because it's so powerful and it's so unattractive and it's going and, it's so low and it's it. cheap it's like one of the cheapest instant i win the game cards yeah lots of the other i win the game cards take longer to set up and it's also colorless so like you yeah. can cheat on mana. It's playable with Misha's Workshop, yeah. Ancient Tomb, City of Traders. So, like, there's ways to turbo out the Time Vault combo super fast. So it's it's interesting that that this has been lowered, and I'm curious as to why. Basically, Garrett, who's definitely the person who's played the most Time Vault, not sure. close, yep. uh, said, if you're going to play a Time Vault deck right now, it is wrong to play it, and you should just play an Ancestral Recall deck and get an extra point and take all the bad time wall cards out of your deck hmm. and play that deck. Just play the same deck as a value deck with a couple more blue spells in it instead. And so he said to... it's never right to play time ball right now. Is what he felt. Huh? He did. He didn't say never, never but, but it, he just like yeah. He was, it, it's like if your goal is to win the tournament, <clears throat> you're probably yeah have better odds to play Ancestral Recall instead. And the reason being is that the time ball decks are typically combo control style decks. They'll play. Some counter spells, some disruption in, in removal, maybe some black discard spells, and then they'll play a few of the better, more expensive tutors like Dark Petition. They'll typically play transmute spells because trans all the a bunch of the transmute spells for two are pretty good and like muddle the mixture that we brought up earlier. Yep. And so they'll win try to win the set up winning the game often in one turn, they'll like try to draw a voltaic key at some point with like a trinket mage, and then a couple turns later they'll transmute for Time Vault, then not even play anything, then on the next turn just like play Time Vault, play Voltaic Key, untap Time Vault with Counterspell back up the whole time yeah. and try to win. Yeah. The, the, the deck is powerful. And, and when we changed, this, this got changed, this got affected, I should say, in the three, in the seven point system when Demonic Tutor got changed. Demonic Tutor got changed and, made it, and it made it so that you could no longer play Time Vault and Demonic Tutor in the same deck. And then when we transitioned from seven to ten, that change stayed. You still weren't able to play both of them in the, in the same deck. And as a result, more or less since then, like Time Vault has been 
in and out of playability, but the, the big issue has been the, the complementary three points of what you play with Time Vault sure. have never really <clears throat> felt powerful enough. And Demonic Tutor is good, uh, is, is the nice pairing because it's really versatile. It finds Time Vault. You can also find it with all the Transmute 2s that you're going to play anyway. And it also finds typically these Time Vault decks play a bunch of other combos as well. Hmm. Yeah, the last time I remember a Time Vault deck winning, it was in a Grixis combo deck that yep. was also playing uh, Pestermite Kikijiki yep. combo. Because Pestermite notably untaps, uh, can also untap, doesn't just tap stuff, so it untaps your time vault, you take another turn. Yeah. And so you can either get the value off of the untap clause from your Kikijiki combo and just win with that or win with the time vault. So that yeah. was kind of neat, but I think that was you and that was like two years ago? Yeah, I, and I, I won with that deck also when I lost and the jury. Yeah. Liam won with it, Garrett, I, th I think Garrett's won with it, Ben won with it last year. So it's like, been putting up Close. results now and again, but it's felt pretty underwhelming recently, and I agree with what Garrett said. He's one of the other counselors uh, in that your deck is likely stronger as an Ancestral Recall deck, plus you get another sure. one-pointed card than trying to jam all these sort of goofy Time Vault cards in your deck, because you you do play some cards that don't really do a whole lot without Time Vault. Like, you're playing Planeswalkers like Ralzarek, yeah. and Captain of the Mists. Captain of the Mists, you're playing Tezzeret the Seeker, which is are are like fine cards, but you you get to upgrade for sure, sure if you don't have course. time vault in your Do deck. Do you know what I lost to on time vault one time? Derevi Imperial Tactician. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, is that the is that the band card? Yeah, nope. that's the band commander. <laughs> yeah, that's the Garrett special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just looked at this. I was like, I ain't even mad. I'm gonna introduce this. So this is a two three wizard. Bird Wizard for Bant. It has flying. Whenever it enters the battlefield or a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may tap or untap target permanent and for one and Bant, yeah, uh, put it <laughs> onto the battlefield from the command zone. It's notable that it's there. Yeah, so, yeah. so he played this into Time Vault and was like, I just. You're Bird like, okay. Wizard? <laughs> I'm dead! That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, there's so many ways to untap Time Vault now. It's ridiculous. Um, and so I'll move on to the last points change we have because I, I feel it's relevant with, with Time Vault because of where my brain went, and that's Tinker. Tinker going from five points down to four. So Tinker is a three mana sorcery, also has an additional cost that you must sacrifice an artifact, and then search your library for any artifact spell and just put it into play. Shuffle your library afterwards. You so can find Time Vault with this. The fact that, that Time Vault is six and Tinker is four, uh, that means you can put both of these cards in the same deck together, which is... First, first time in a really long time that's been true. I, I imagine that was deliberate. We weren't actually that worried about it, because most of the Time Vault decks that have been successful haven't actually played very many artifacts. They've played five, maybe six artifacts. You play maybe Sensei's Divining Top, maybe Vidalkin Shackles, and then you typically see Voltaic Key, Time Vault, Painter Servant, and Grindstone. Sure. I wonder if Academy so decks start playing Time Vault now. You don't, you don't regularly have enough artifacts in play to make Tinker good enough. Because mm -hmm. you, you don't usually, to make Tinker good, you want one piece in, of your two-card combo in play and another artifact, and then you can Tinker for the other yeah. piece well, of your like, combo. Because Academy is the, is the archetype that plays this the most. That wants Tinker. Maybe yeah. the only yeah. one. But the Academy problem. needs more artifacts in Academy, which are all pointed, so you can't really get the yeah, critical mass of artifacts for Academy. You being able to play Academy if you play Time Vault in the yeah. same deck. Hmm. Which is maybe worth it, right? Like, But we're willing to let people try that. If people discover that there's some artifact deck that's very good with, with all of the artifact tutors plus Tinker and Time Vault, Great, you know that's a that's a new archetype that's going to become interesting. Yeah, Liam just blew my mind. Academy with no academy. Yeah. No, <laughs> no academy, academy. There we go. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Hey, Serge, which academy are you talking about? Oh, Telerian Academy. Yeah. So sorry, we should introduce that card. This is a legendary land, um, and it just says tap. Add blue to your mana pool uh, equal to the number of artifacts you control. That's, so that's a lot of blue. Yeah, this is a pointed card, and this is another build around card. So you see it, at, you call it an academy deck because it's sort of the heart of the deck. You put a ludicrous amount of artifacts in, you replace your basic lands with artifact lands, you start playing a lot of like cheap potentially even off-color mana rocks at two, like the Signets, yep. just to try and get as much mana off academy as possible, and then you just cast like uh, Tron payload cards like uh, the Ugin, uh, Karn. Karn. Yeah, yeah, you got stuff it. like that. So you you imagine it'd be a good fit to have an academy deck with Tinker and Time Vault, but luckily the point system is there to be like, no, you are too greedy. Just just to go back to Tinker for a second, sure, I yeah. wanted to compare it to another card on the points list, yeah, so which is, is which is uh, Natural Order. Yeah, mm. Natural Order is uh, 
also was five, is still five points. Okay. And Tinker and Natural Order have been sort of paired, likened for for a long time and kept at point parity, like Ancestor Recall and, and Time Walk. So what's Natural Order? Natural Order is two and two green uh, sorcery as an additional cost to sacrifice. To cast Natural Order, sacrifice a green creature, yeah. search your library for a green creature card, and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Almost always finds Hoof. Or, yeah, or, or, or Primeval Titan. Titan. Yeah. And so getting Hoof or Primeval Titan typically either wins you the game that turn or sets up a win for next turn, Yeah. or puts the game state at an early enough turn into such a state that you're like very unlikely to lose. Yeah. And it just became the case that Tinker wasn't able to do the same things. Like, hmm. You can Tinker for... Uh, Blightsteel early, that yep. sets up a quick win, but there's actually printing more and more ways to get rid of Blightsteel, bounce yep. spells. Uh, you can just block it. So Blightsteel Colossus... It has trample, so it's hard. Yeah, sure, but, but you can block I mean, it you for can a couple yeah. So Blightsteel Colossus, notably, is an 11-mana artifact? 12. Yeah. A 12-mana artifact. It's an 11-11 with trample uh, and, and infect, yeah. notably. So normally, if you don't have anything to block it, it just swings and kills you. Yeah, and and so the reason and it's indestructible. We wanted to lower Tinker is because the the cost on tinkering into Blightsteel was super high. It's like sure you there's a chance you win the game next turn, but if your opponent answers this, you probably just lose. Yeah, you've and, you've invested and a lot of cards. And it, it being indestructible actually doesn't make it that unanswerable. No. There's a lot of bounce spells in the format. There's a lot of exile removal. Yeah. There's, they just yeah. keep printing they better could, they rings. Could, they could play Maze of Ith, like, <laughs> then you yeah. just get brick walled. Like, Maze of Ith is actually not even that good against Primeval Titan. No. Like, mm. you still just get the trigger lands. every time. Yeah. You're, so you're, you're like, like super happy. A bunch of critter lands and then overwhelm you. <laughs> yeah. And so you maybe have to go get, like, Inkwell Leviathan, which is a yeah. eight, nine mana. I think it's seven blue blue for a 711 Island Walk Shroud Trample. Oh, the Inkwell Leviathan. Uh, yeah, these to are... get around the hate, but then you're not winning for three turns Sometimes if it connects. Even, yeah. yeah, these are the classic sort of tinker payloads if you're not getting a combo or, piece. Or against control, sometimes you'll get like Staff of Nin, so you're just drawing a bunch of extra cards. What's the Sphinx you play against the red-green decks? That's the, the other this, tinker This payload. is the one, one reason I think tinker could have still been five. You mm. get Sphinx of the Steel Wind. That which card is, is oppressive. Five and Esper. It has protection from red and green, and it is a 6-6 six, six flying first strike vigilance lifelink. That's a lot of keywords. And so any base red or green deck without any of the Esper colors virtually can't beat this no. card. Yeah, that, that, that part feels bad. If you try and play a fair deck and you encounter the Tinker deck and they get this out on well, turn three or four, it's basically GG. Well, or turn only, one. Only if you're red and green a lot. Like, all, all the Esper colors have a lot of good answers yeah. for this. This, this mm. still like, falls into a lot of the same problems as the, the Blightsteel Colossus. It's mm. just, it's slightly, even slightly against, better like, against a, an archetype. Even against a green-white deck. Like, if they have any of their white removal spells, they'll sure. kill this thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, any other feelings just on the on the points list or point changes at all? I'm excited. I think I, I think seeing how combo enters the metagame will be interesting and kind of refreshing. Maybe maybe it'll hate old Blue Moon. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I'm sitting here with this like Orzov of Hate Bears deck that I built, and I was like, combo, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. yeah. I, I was talking to someone on on Monday who like had brought their they were just new to the Highlander and they've built this like bug tempo deck and they're like yeah like none of the points changes really affect my deck and I was like no 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 they do. your deck yeah. got much better with yeah. these points changes yeah because there's going to be all these people jamming combo cards and your deck is great against those decks mm. so you're going to say something great Oh yeah. Um, so it's worth mentioning <laughs> to, to those of you who are going to be playing soon. These points changes go effect on Monday. Yes. Uh, yeah. that, that's if your local community is following what we do in Victoria, which is kind of exciting. M Monday, October twenty third. Ah, yeah. notable, yeah. right? Depending on what day this episode goes up. Uh, that's it for our episode. So let's go to our closing segment. Powerful magic. B -b -b -blah, blah, blah. We have a new effect for this. Oh, it's been here for like he's a week or two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and up to I date. Didn't, I didn't tell James about the effect, so I don't know if he did it last time. <laughs> I got it in, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Liam, tell us a, uh, a story of some powerful magic. Well, it's funny. We've been talking about like combo, and then towards the end of that conversation, we were talking about Garrett. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. I love this story. Do you know? Okay, I don't know this story. Oh, this story's not good for me. Uh, see, last week we told a story about getting there, so this week we're we're back on the downswing. Back getting goozled? So, so I'll, yeah, yeah. So I'll set the scene. Garrett's basically brand new to Highlander. He's been, like, playing Magic for a little while. Oh, this is going way back in oh, time. Oh, yeah, this is, like, 
years ago. This is from um, beginner to council member Garrett. Yeah, well, and I'm also reasonably new to Highlander at the time. So so both of us are playing like kind of interesting decks. We're probably in the O2 bracket. I don't actually remember. We were definitely sitting in the back of YJ, which okay. means we did not have a lot of match wins. <laughs> um, and so I'm uh, Garrett's playing Esper Academy Control. Love it. Kind of cool deck, yeah. Like he's he's trying to leverage Academy to do semi unfair things, but he's mostly doing fair things with it. Uh, I'm Sorry, I am playing rug combos. Okay. Um, so this was this was the old Stronghold Gambit deck. Uh, Sorry, so, what, what Sorry the what deck? Yeah, so this is one in a red for a sorcery that says both each player reveals a, a creature card from their hand. The person who reveals the lower converted mana cost creature gets to put it into play. What's the what's the shenanigans with this? Is that right? Did I get that right by yep. the way? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Great, great. Uh, the shenanigans with this and if is... They, if they tie, they both go into play. Yeah, so the shenanigans with this is you hope they don't have a creature and you put an Emrakul in play. <laughs> I, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like cross Risky, risky show Look, and tell. Look, I was new. I was new to Highlander, okay? okay? So we were also playing like show and tell, sneak attack, channel. Hopefully you're playing hand attack to see if they have a creature to no, set this up. No, I was rug. Yeah. Um, Not a I had Gitaxian probe. I would, I would know whether I was going to be doing the wrong thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's like this kind of deck. We're trying to cheat stuff into play. Um, and I sort of figured like, well, you know, since I'm playing this channel card, it makes perfect sense to play Banefire as well. Because uh, sure. channel Banefire, OG combo, get yeah. people pretty easily. Um, so Garrett and I are in game, in game three. We've played two like pretty interesting games. And in game three, Garrett stumbles on mana. He like doesn't have a whole lot of plays, and I'm just kind of rolling. I'm doing doing my thing, cast a couple tutors, cast some draw spells, that sort of thing. And finally, I'm like sitting there. He has like no lands on tap, and I'm kind of like, well, you know, he's just played this mana rock, which he like desperately needs for land. So surely he doesn't have doesn't have much. Uh, and like I. I, it was sort of metagamey, but I knew he didn't know to force a will. Like that's just like a, a, a piece of information I had access to because uh, we had, we had talked. Sure. And so I'm looking at my head, and I have channel, and I have bane fire, and I have worldly tutor. So the safe thing to do is to worldly tutor for Emrakul and kill him with channel Emrakul next turn. But but I don't do that. Um, so instead, I cast. I, think I know where this is going. So I cast channel. I channel for most of my life. Um, I cast so, Banefire so targeting him. What's channel? Channel is green, green for a sorcery. Um, I think it's a sorcery. It might be an instant. It's a, it's sorcery. a sorcery. It's a sorcery, good. Uh, which says, until wow. end of turn, you can pay a life to get a mana. Yep. Um, so the combo with Banefire, which is fireball, but if you cast it for more than five, it's uncounterable. Um, I think is I see where the story's going. You channel your way, you channel your way up to enough mana to kill them, yep. and then you cast Banefire, and they can't counter the spell. So like, how are they going to win, right? Yeah, they're, they're dead. So, so I cast Channel, and I'm like, all right, well, he's dead. He didn't counter this channel. He, he might have had days, but he doesn't. So I, you know, channel out this Banefire, uh, and I Banefire him for like 17, and I'm at two, and he's at 17, and then Garrett like thinks for a second, thinks for a second, and then he's like. <laughs> Oh, he, it dawns on him. He's like, he like looks at looks at Banefire, like reads the card. He doesn't actually call a judge over to check whether this works because either he's dead or it doesn't. And then he's just like uh, misdirection or Banefire. <laughs> he doesn't have a force of will, but he has the other five mana blue cast for free. Oh, yeah, so misdirection is three blue blue. Change the target of it's the single target of a spell with another single target instead. You can pitch cast it for pitching a blue card. Notably, you can cast it when you're tapped out, uh, which oh. is in fact what happened. So, so then I died. Uh, oh, I went to negative fifteen or sixteen life or whatever it was. Wow. And uh, this is another one of these classic stories, like the one that Jeremy told, where like I could have played around this. Like there was an answer. <laughs> I could have just cast the worldly tutor and Emrakul the next turn. I'm so glad you <clears throat> told this story because it reminded me of a time I was on the other end of this <laughs> equation. Like where you misdirected I the Banefire? It was worse than that. I I was borrowing somebody's deck. My deck. And they it was your deck. Yeah, I remember the and story. They they flip over um, Bonfire of the Damned. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's bad. And then I pick up Bonfire. I was like, target player. Okay. So Bonfire of the Damned, <laughs> notably XX Red Sorcery deals X damage to target player and each creature here she controls, or for Miracle, it's a single X in red. It, this is this is a very very swingy card. So you're looking down at this thing. So you like you get it on, you, you flip it off the top, and then you you get to cast it for cheap. 
And so they they cast it for some arbitrary amount of mana that was going to like blow up my board and you know nug me really hard. And I was just like, oh, it targets the player. Uh, misdirection, target you. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like. Da, 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 da. I just remember hearing from across the room Alex being like, does this work? And he's just like. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Misdirection's this weird card where when it works, it works oh, so well. Yeah. And then the rest of the time it's just like stuck it's in your just hand. Just stuck in your hand like, being like, tack anything, please. Doesn't do anything. Yeah. But those one, you know, those couple times when you swerve something and it's just... Yeah, you ever misdirected someone's spell onto their own hexproof creature? Wait, what? It's yeah. the best way to kill a Trunium Nemesis. Yep. Or, or a Thrun. Yeah. I had someone try and path my creature and I misdirected it onto their throne. Yeah, right, that feels good. It's still a valid target. I always them. want to misdirect a, an ancestral, but I haven't quite lived that dream yet. That's not even that good. You're up a card. Yeah, but they're it's down three. Two, two. They're down three. No. Well, they're, they're down not. One. They're down one. Well, they're not drawing the three, so it's it's sure, like four. But that's a trap. Okay, suppose you're this is like counter their ancestral draw card. Yeah, that would be just as good. Dis disrupt, which, by the way, I heard happened. Someone yeah. had their ancestral recall get disrupted, which That's is gotta feel bad. single blue four spike and instant or sorcery draw card. Yeah, disrupt is pretty spicy. That's like counterspell number eighteen in the tempo deck. If you're if you're like yeah. it's like counterspell number twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. right. I have a comprehensive list. I'll release it sometime. All right. Anyways. That is our episode for today. Uh, that is the points changes. So again, down in the comments below, if you're curious about the points list, check out the website, check out the Facebook group. Um, we've got counselors. We're going to always be updating. This is this is a living format, which is kind of neat. So the points Definitely. list changes, and we're trying to get to a metagame that we enjoy playing in that's healthy, that lets you play the deck you want to play. The shape is going to be interesting, because I, mean, I imagine there's going to be more combo decks, and also decks that prey on combo decks. Yeah. So yeah, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for all the changes. Uh, as always, this episode is brought to you by you over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. So thank you for support. Uh, thank you to uh, the fellow uh, North 100 co-hosts. And uh, thanks for watching. Hope you have a great day. Bye.